So if you're, you have your Bible tonight, open up Romans chapter 6. We've been diving into Romans. We've been super blessed uh, to have Michael, Tim Cedarland, and Devante, I believe, are the three people that have taken us through chapter 5. Um, as we know, the book of Romans is a powerful book. It is the gospel presented to man. Uh, I want to share a quote before we even start. Um, it's by Frederick Godet. He says, every deep and meaningful change and revival in the church has started with a deep understanding of Romans. That is powerful. That is really powerful. That is the book we're studying tonight. Chapter 6, the title of my sermon tonight, if you want to kind of get it all in one idea, freedom from sin's grasp. Freedom from sin's grasp. We're going to be looking at how to live dead to sin tonight and alive in Christ, how to be his sons and daughters and live out in our identity. So before we dive in, I'm going to read the chapter. So go ahead and open up your Bible. Let's just dive into it, and then we'll pray. What then shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you may live a new life. Verse 5. We've been united with him in his death. We will certainly be united in his resurrection. We know our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will live with him. We know that Christ was raised from the dead. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin but alive to Jesus. Don't offer your body to sin and its evil desires. Don't offer um, yourself as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him. For sin shall not be your master. You are under law, but not under grace. What then shall we say? Shall we sin because we're under law, but not under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as a slave, you're slave to the one you obey, whether you're a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you used to be a slave to sin. You wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and are slaves to righteousness. All right, last five verses. I have put this in human terms because you're weak in your natural self, as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed those things result in death, but now you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. That is good. I just, it's a long passage, but the power is in the word, not in the speaker. So we're going to let God's word move tonight. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everyone here. Um, just the journey we're on, the growth that we've seen, everyone that's come here. Uh, bless them tonight. Lord, open up your Bible to all of us tonight. I pray you speak through me. I just repent of my own ways, Lord, that would get in the way of your passage tonight. Just pray um, that what's of you would, would stick and what's not of you would fall to the ground. Uh, just be glorified tonight, Lord. We love you so much. You're so faithful, and we owe it all to you. So we ask that you bless these next few moments. Um, help us all focus in, Holy Spirit. Um, not be distracted, and just lay down the burdens that have washed us up this week, and just focus in on your word, in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Come on. So I'm a Pentecostal preacher, as you know. I'm a little different than Mike B. and Tim Cedarlin. And I like to be shouted down. I like people to get excited. So we're going to practice this before we get into it. I'm going to give you guys some training in how to be charismatic. Um, some of y'all are just chosen frozens up in here, so we're going to get some fire up in here. No, I'm just cl- playing. So on three, I want to practice this. I'm going to count down, and on three, I want you guys to shout something, whether it's amen, come on, preach it brown boy, or whatever the heck you guys want to say. I don't care. I just want some excitement here. I want people to help me preach. All right, so one, two, three. Wow, all right, all right. That's, y'all are racist, but there's grace for that. That's why we're here, right? We're looking at slavery tonight. That's, I'm just kidding. That's really good. That's really good. I want you guys to get excited. Shout me down. Help me preach this. And why don't we all just stand up and hug the person next to you. Give them a hug. Shake it. Just give them a big hug. Say, I love you. Bless them in Jesus' name. This is God's house. Get excited. Come on. Come on. That's what it's about. Uh, we will. All right. All right. That's great. That's great. So a reason I had us do that, I want to share a story. There's this young guy uh, who went to church in New York, right? And he got invited. He had, he had a heroin addiction. He had a lot of issues. But a pastor brought him into his church, and he felt loved. And I love this story because uh, the pastor, after this heroin addict gets saved, and he radically transformed Uh, That's our God, right? He can pull you out of heroin addiction overnight. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen? So this young guy, (laughs) this is a powerful story. He comes to church week after week. And every time at church, the pastor would do this point where he said, turn around, give a hug to your neighbor. And he hated it at first. He's like, man, I don't want to hug anybody. I hate connection. I don't want this. But he kept coming. He kept coming week after week. It wasn't the sermon. It wasn't the message. It wasn't small groups. It was the hugs. It was those hugs, and a few months down the road, he gets saved, and the pastor's like, when would you get saved? I thought, I thought you got saved by my message, and he's like, no, pastor, I'm sorry, you're not that great. Um, it was those hugs. It was those hugs by those people week in, week out that just softened my heart and, and broke those chains off me, and that's what community's about. That's why we're here, and you're an encouragement to somebody here tonight. Somebody here is encouraged by you, so thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. We love you guys. So all that to say, let's dive into his word. As, I've, as we've talked about, Romans chapter 6, right? Romans chapter 1 through 5, we look through 1. 1 is talking about the wrath of God and the evil of man, right? Chapter 2 and 3, you look at how Jews and Gentiles are both wicked. No one's good, not one, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So then it says that we've been justified by faith and faith in God alone, not in our own works, So all that leads up to, there's three ideas in Romans. Justification, just as if you never sinned. Sanctification, becoming like Christ daily until we come to glorification, which will be chapter 8. Mike B will probably take that one. That's his kind of chapter. They won't let me preach on it. They they let me preach on the sin chapter because I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, All right, tough crowd. Help me preach. All right, so anyway, so you got justification, sanctification, and glorification. Tonight we're looking at sanctification. Anyone love sanctification? Anyone love when God gets in your grill and he just humbles you and he breaks you down and he just tears this flesh apart? And it sucks, right? It sucks, but it's worth it. It's like a day in the gym. It's like leg day. You don't want to go, but you still do it because you want to get strong. So Jesus loves you so much he won't leave you the way you are. 
We've been justified by faith. We've been justified in Christ, but now we have to be conformed into the image of God. So the way I illustrate this is the refiner's fire. Anyone here know how gold is made? Like, before gold is, like, perfect, it is nasty. It's got dross all over it. It's got a bunch of crap on it. And the goldsmith will take the gold and he'll burn it in the fire. And all the dross will just be removed. So then finally at the end of the process, you can see his reflection in the gold, right? And that's the same with Jesus. He's like, y'all, you're my gold, but you got some rough edges. You got some dross. You got some grave clothes. I'm going to put you in the fire. And I'm going to burn it all away until I can see me in you. Anyone want to be seen like Jesus and less like yourself? Shout me down. Come on. Let's get excited. All right, come on. All right, so we're going to dive into God's word. That is sanctification in a, in a nutshell. But there's more. Wait, there's more. Um, all right, guys. So the main idea tonight is we're looking at how we're justified, not guilty in Christ's eyes, but now how, how do we learn to live free in Christ because of that? What does that look like for us? So I'm going to start off in verse 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? My point tonight, if you're taking notes, 10 out of 10 people that take notes go to heaven. So if you want to get saved tonight, I'd probably bring a notepad. I'm just playing. Um, all right. Point <laughs> I love you guys. All right. Point number one. Grace is not an excuse to sin, but it's a, it's a reason not to sin. So that's good, right? Come on. So grace is an ex not an excuse. It is not a license to sin. If you consider the magnitude of what Jesus did on that cross, he hung on that cross for us. He died for that sin. How can you use grace as an excuse? We need to recognize the seriousness of our sin so we don't keep using God as this covering blanket for our sins because that is a shame, guys. It's a shame to know the magnitude of God's love for us and then go and spit at the cross and say, God, thank you. Uh, I'm going to just use your grace now to live the way I want to live. The magnitude of the cost of what Jesus did on that cross wasn't so we could just live the way we wanted. He did it so that we could live in freedom. Grace is not an excuse to sin. It's a reason not to sin. Remember that tonight. And I want to share a quote on that. Um, it's kind of deep, so you'll have to process it later. Uh, if we continue to sin without remorse, we are not in danger of losing our salvation, but may have never had a true salvation to begin with. So this is true. I mean, the Bible speaks of those who continue in sin without remorse, that they never really had a faith to begin with. It says in one part in the Bible that those who practice unrighteousness um, without remorse or guilt um, will not profit eternal life. And it talks about if you have no conviction over your sin and you keep using it as a cloak, you should consider to even know what Jesus did for you. And if that's you tonight, there's no shame and condemnation. I don't, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not a pastor that beats up. I'm a, I'm a guy that builds up. I like to build the sheep up, not beat the sheep up. So, all right, come on. All right, so, all right. So we must beware of this attitude. This Bible, this chapter in this Bible speaks of this twice. So anyone know that repetition is the mother of learning? Ever heard that? So you got to rep it out a couple times. You can't just go out on the beach volleyball court and crush some sets without some reps. Come on, Andy. Come on. Preach it, bro. You're always killing it out there. And that's the same with this. You know, we have to get this repetition, and we have to understand that we cannot take God's grace for granted. It is too serious. It is too beautiful. All right, second point. So next, we're going to read on from verse 3 to 10 again. And this talks about 
says, Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Jesus are baptized into his death? We're not buried with him. No, we were buried with him in baptism in the death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, you may live a new life. We have been united with Jesus in his death. We will be united in his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died is free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will live with him. So I read that all earlier, but the reason I read it is powerful. My second point is who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Because at the end of the day, you come to church and you can feel like you're this born-again Christian, but it doesn't matter if your Sunday doesn't change your Monday morning. So, like, you may come here and you feel like a son of God or daughter of God here, but the rest of your week you feel like a child of the enemy. Or you feel shame and guilt and you feel like you're dirty. So I want to share a story of this lady who, from a young age, I heard it from pastors, so I don't know the lady that well, but uh, her grandpa abused her growing up, okay? And, and then when he would abuse her, he would tell her, the reason I do this to you is because you're a dirty girl and a dirty girl does dirty things. And from a young age, she believed this lie, and it led her down a, a pit of depravity. She continued to live in that lifestyle, and she let men use her. She let herself go down the industry that she didn't want to go into. And for 20, 30 years, she's caught in this addiction, right? And then finally, she's pulled out by, by this church and um, gets healing and is reminded who she is in Christ. So the reason I share that is... Uh, Proverbs says, as a man thinks of himself, he becomes. So if you believe you're a dirty person and you're ashamed and guilty, then the enemy can hook you and leave you in chains. And then he can use that belief to shape your actions. And then next thing you know, you're full out in chains to him. And the reason I share that tonight is because I want to remind us, beautiful children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are children of God. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer condemned if you are in Jesus. You're a child of God. You're redeemed. You're a new creation. And the Bible, I love this passage because, like, it'll preach itself. Because it starts off with that first point. But then it spends 11 verses, which is the meat of this passage, building up your identity. Jesus knew that without identity, there would be no power to reckon yourself dead to sin later on. He knew that if you didn't know who you were in him, there's no chance for you to beat your flesh and the enemy because he's just too powerful. But you know what? God never calls you to something he won't enable you to do. God's commandments are our enablements. Can I get an amen? Have you ever been out there battling for your life and known that, like, you? there's no way in heck. Like, I heard one of the brothers in prayer meeting today was like, I felt invincible today in the spirit. I was like, wow, okay. I like that because God enabled you to be invincible today. God enabled you to, to obey his commandments. When he says, be pure as I am pure, be holy as I'm holy, be humble as I'm humble, Learn from me. He enables you to do it. So I wish some of y'all would know that because we can get so caught up in like God hasn't given me anything. And we feel like we're out there and and our tanks are empty. And God said he'd pay the the gas bill, but he didn't, right? He didn't fill up our tanks. And we're like, I can't do this. I can't beat. um, I can't sanctify myself without you. But I want to tell you tonight that God's enabled you. God is enabling you right now. He's filling up your tank right now. This message is filling you up for Tuesday morning when you get that thought and you want to act, you want to give into it, and there's power here that Jesus will give you to say no to that. So, my brother and sisters, you're not alone. 
God's commandments are your enablements. And 2 Peter 3, I believe, says, God has given us all things we need pertaining to life and godliness. So he is not put you out there naked and alone. There's a God. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is within us. You're a conqueror in Christ. You're an overcomer. And you don't have to believe the lies anymore. So if there are those of you who tonight that believe you're dirty, that believe you're ashamed and guilty, I've been there. Okay, you're not alone. All right, this is church. And I felt that way. And so many of my life, I have believed those lies that have led me deeper into things I shouldn't have gone into. But I want to tell you tonight, there's hope and healing. And there's a way to renew your mind and be, be changed and believe you're different. So if that's you tonight, I want you to reach out. Because some, some identity is about to get changed tonight. Some paradigms are going to be shifted because of what Jesus can do. Amen? Come on. Come on. All right. So we're, gonna, we're diving in here, and I love this passage. Um, verse 6, right? Let's tie in the next point. It says that we are crucified with Christ so that the body of sin is done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Come on. No longer a slave, right? No longer a slave to fear. We are children of God. My third point, if you're taking notes, if you're not, it's all good. Um, there's grace for that. No, I'm just kidding. We are no longer slaves to sin, so stop acting like it. Sometimes we feel like we know we're not slaves, but we still act like it. I have a story for you. Anyone here love chickens? I love chickens. All right, I used to live on an organic farm. Um, things about me you don't know. If you just ask, you probably learn is I like chickens, I love eggs, I love going out there and working in the farm like a good boy. Um, so all that to say, chickens are cool, but there's a story of this lady who one day is out in the garden, right? It's gardening season, and she sees one of her chickens, and she, the chicken's acting strange. She's like, what the heck, like, is this guy, this chicken on meth, is he on drugs or something? And the chicken's walking like this, with one leg up in the air, and he's like, what the heck, he's walking on one leg, and upon closer look, um, she, she catches this chicken somehow, it's a miracle, anyone here can good at catching chickens, I'm not, they, they are fast, anyway, so she catches the chicken, and she realizes that the chicken has a hair tie wrapped around its leg, and it's keeping its leg up, so as it's walking, it, yeah, it's just crippled, it's in chains, so then she removes the hair tie, right? And she lets the chicken out. And it's the, the hair tie is gone, but the chicken's still walking like it's still there. Come on, guys, shout me down. Come on. That's, that is the same for us. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we still act like it. We can be free from those ties of addiction, of brokenness, and still walk like we are. Because the enemy is a master at leaving out a few breadcrumbs as he steals the bread box. He's a master at making you believe things that aren't true. But I want to tell you tonight, even though you feel like a slave, even though you still do, you are no longer a slave. Because of what Jesus did, he split the sea so you could walk right through it. He drowned our fears in perfect love. And that's what we're going to sing after this. I'm going to ask the keyboarder in a bit to come shut this down. But that's, it's not time yet. But you're no longer a slave. Come on. Get excited. And you know what? You know what? You don't have to be a slave. Rosa Parks, freedom movement. She's sitting in the front of the bus. And the white man shows up and says, get where you belong. And Rosa Parks, a legend in the faith, a legendary woman in the freedom movement, says no. She refuses to say yes to slavery. She knew her identity in God, and she knew she was not going to live a slave. 
She would rather die free than live a slave. And I love this. This is a quote. She says, I am not a slave and I won't live like one. Has anyone here felt like that where you're on the bus and you're just trying to be a free son of God and daughter of God and the enemy's like, yo, get in the back. And you're like, no, I'm not a slave anymore. But he's, he's going to get in your face and he's going to want to fight you. But greater is he who is in you, brother. Greater is he who is in you, sister, because of what Jesus has done. Romans chapter 6 changes lives. Romans chapter 6 has broken addictions. Because people have reckoned this true over their life, that they're no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to God. And this isn't because of our own good works. This is because our God is greater than even our, our best efforts. So moving into that. My next side point to that slavery is don't be a slave, don't act like it, is it's impossible to be neutral. You're either a slave to God or Satan. There's no such thing as a neutral Christian. As one great theologian has said it, um, Satan owns the fence. So there's no middle ground. It's like you got to be all in or not. And so... Joshua talks about this. Choose this day whom you will serve, right? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? We're going to serve him. So this is, this is the, the, the calling in this passage is, is what are you going to do? Who are you going to love? Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to offer yourself to? Because both masters, slave master Satan and, and, and our father Jesus, and our, or Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, is they both have currencies. Whichever one you offer yourself to, you'll pay the price. If you offer yourself to Satan, you will pay the price of death and, and destruction and misery. But if you offer yourself to Jesus, you will offer yourself to eternal life, to glory to glory, freedom to freedom, and just peace like, like never, never before. And I, I love this because I had a buddy at Bible College in Israel and he was sharing his testimony. There's testimony times. And um, shout out to Michael, who just got back from Israel, by the way. Um, anyway, so I miss Israel. It makes me want to cry every time I think about it. Um, so he's sharing his testimony. He's like, man, guys, uh, he had come to Bible college. He did his semester, and he took like a year off, right? And he, he's like, man, I, I went back to the world. He's like, I did that semester, and I couldn't count the cost of what Jesus was calling me to, and I went back to the world. And he, he worded it like this. I love this during his testimony. He said, the reason I didn't come back to Bible college this long is I had, listen, too much of God in me to fully enjoy the world, and I had too much of the world in me to fully enjoy God. Has anyone ever felt like that? He stated how miserable he was as he lived in this place, and I've been there. This is the wilderness. This is the the place where you want God, but you still want your, your own ways, and you want your flesh, and you want what feels good, and it's not worth it. And he, it was so cool to see this brother get redeemed from that, and he said, I'm, I'm all in for God now. And that semester, he got really wrecked by God, and <laughs> that Israel will do that to you. But um, so yeah, just to say that, like, are you, have you ever felt that way? Like, there's two parts in you, and one part flesh, one part the spirit, and they're battling it out every day, and you're like, man, I just don't know which is going to win tonight. I don't know what's going to win this morning. I want to tell you that God can help you be sold out. God can help you sell out tonight. We can sell out to God because he's worthy.
All right, so my fourth point I'm going to open up. So now, because we've covered ground from verse 1 to 11, like I told you earlier, God fills the tank before he calls you to go out and pour it out. So verse 11, read with me. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, alive to Christ. Therefore, don't offer your body as an instrument to wickedness, but offer yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Offer your body to him as an instrument of righteousness. Sin will not be your master. You're under grace. So you ask, okay, Dave, so what, you know? All right, I like the way I'm living. I like what's going on. Or you wonder, how do I live free? Okay, you tell me about this freedom. Um, well, the Bible says here that in light of all this, we have power to count our old man dead. The word reckon means to count true. So it's to count true over your life. It's like it's counting true that I'm dead to sin and I'm alive in Christ. And even though I feel like sinning, I don't have to because that's not worth it. It's, it's the story of Lazarus coming out of the grave and with grave clothes and being stinky but being raised to life. And then Jesus could have totally torn off the grave clothes, right? But he said, no, send the disciples to do that. So they're unwrapping this guy. So my point here is how do we live as free children of God? There's no such thing as a free Christian who isn't in community. There's no such thing as a free Christian who isn't having other people unwrap some of those grave clothes. There isn't a guy that could do this on his own. Um, if, he, if he is, he's out there on his own right now, just totally wrecked. So the old adage is true. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Do you ever have somebody in your life that, like, you can call on in the battle and they just, like, lift you up? When you, when you don't even feel it anymore and you're like, I'm done, I'm giving up. And you call them and then, like, you get a reality check of what this is. Gotta love that, man. Like, I wouldn't be here today without the guys in my life that have poured into me, that have called me out, that have loved me. Anyone, like, thankful for that? Anyone thankful for guys that will speak the truth in love? Um, a brother of mine did that to me a few weeks ago. I was, might have been playing volleyball, and I might have slipped a cuss word when I messed up on a play. And he's like, that's not it. And I was like, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. So... It's just, it's a journey, all right, okay? I'm not a perfect preacher. I'm not a professional Christian yet. I'm on a journey. But anyways, all I have to say, we need that. We need guys that can look at us and say, David, you've sinned. You're the man that you said you're not. Kind of like um, Samuel that goes to David, and he's like, you're the man that killed that dude. And because of that rebuke, it saved Dave's life. And he, was, he became a man after God's own heart. So who's the man and woman in your life that you can be, like, brutal with and honest with and just, like, get real with and trust? And I'm not saying go open up your life to everybody. Go find someone safe in your life. Safe people can be trusted. Amen? Come on. All right. Next point, as we see in this passage, it says, Reckon yourself dead to sin, but offer your bodies to God for instruments of righteousness because sin is not your master anymore. So... In light of all this Jesus has done, now we have the glory of being Christ on earth. We get to reckon ourselves dead. We get to offer ourselves to Jesus, and we get to yield ourselves to his spirit. This is a glorious thing. Like, God doesn't call us to be on the bench. He's calling you to play. He's calling you to be on the front courts. And the enemy is trying to keep us sidelined, but the spirit of the Lord is calling you to reckon, 
to offer, to yield. So what in your life do you need to reckon dead? What do you need to count true? Is it those identity things I was talking about? Maybe there's some lies you're believing that you've got to take to God's word and say, you know what, I'm not worthless, I'm precious. Because Psalm 139 says I was knit in my mother's womb. And you fight the truth, no, the lie with the truth, and the truth will not overcome you. We reckon ourselves to God, and we give ourselves to Jesus. And there's two ways. It's like, again, going back to my last point, you either offer up to God or you offer up to yourself. You offer up to God or the enemy. Offering to God leads to life, peace, joy, and grace, and unity with God's people. But offering to Satan leads to bondage, chains, shame, death, hate, slavery. So I want to ask you tonight who you offering up to. I'll invite the keyboarder up. We're, we're going to close this down. I think I got like five minutes. Woo. All right. So I want to ask you who you offering up to, who you got. You know, when you're, you're watching a football game and people are like, who you got? Like, who you think going to win this game? And it's that same way. Like, who you offering to, yo? Like, who are you offering to? Because you might offer to God here, but your Sunday morning isn't affecting your Monday morning. Then what's going on? Like, we got to consider ourselves to be fully into God. So my final point, he's saying, all right, Dave, close it down. This is my close, I promise, is my last point, or one of them, is have a mind yielded to God. So reckon, offer, yield. This is the last part of this passage, is reckon yourself dead to sin and those lies that you believe, but offer yourself to God, and then yield your mind to him. I want to tell you tonight that the battlefield of the mind is crucial to becoming children of God. We have to have minds that are yielded to God because your mind is the control center of your life. This quote says, Be careful of your thoughts, they become your words. Be careful of your words, they become your actions. Be careful of your actions, they become your addictions. Be careful of your addictions, they will shape your character. Be careful of your character, it can sabotage your life. Proverbs says, As a man thinketh, he becometh. So I want to ask you tonight, what do you believe in tonight? What do you believe in about yourself? What do you got to set free yourself from tonight? What are those thought patterns that are leading you back to sin? I want to ask you tonight to offer your mind to the Lord, to know that he will renew your mind. Romans 12 says, therefore offer yourselves as living sacrifice to God and he will renew your mind and make you want to do his will. This reminds me of the story in Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, chapter 5. The moment when Voldemort is consuming Harry at the shadow, what's that place? The Hall of Mysteries. And there's a battle there where Harry's fighting for his life and Voldemort is getting in his mind and he's about to lose it. He's about to, to give in. And Voldemort's like, you're worthless. You're never going to make it. He's like, you're a loser. And Harry's giving in. This, this is a pivotal moment. And Dumbledore's there. Shout out to Dumbledore. I'm still waiting for my letter, okay? All right, don't judge me. Um, and Dumbledore's there, but he can't do anything. And there's this moment, this, this space there that Harry is saying, Voldemort, I'm sorry for you. I feel bad for you. You have no love in your life. I have friendships. And there's, these stories go through Harry's mind of Harry and Hermione and the stories and the, the battles that he's overcome. And he starts fixing his eyes on love which is an illustration to Jesus. So I want to ask you tonight, Voldemort's in your head. There might be some things in your head. What can you fix your eyes on? What can you fix your eyes on and believe about yourself tonight? 
And there's no one greater than exemplifies us than Jesus himself. I'm not up here preaching a try harder message because if that's the case, I wouldn't be here. It's not about praying harder or trying harder. It's all coming to the honest conclusion that it's God and God alone that can do this for you. God sets the slaves free. God broke hell apart and he froze it over and he's going to finish his work. I don't care what you think. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. God is here and he's torn down the veil. He's torn down the flesh and he's given us power to shout out his love and grace. He's the man that came when you were broken beyond belief. He's the one that rescued you. So let's all stand. We're going to stand up. We're going to sing this song. We're going to believe we're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer children of the enemy. We are children of God. And we have the power to be sanctified. We have the power to be loved. So we're going to sing this song. Come on.